You're listening to Systems Thinking for Kids, the podcast for teachers and others who want to help kids learn through understanding systems, because everything is connected. On Systems Thinking for Kids, you'll hear conversations about how to illuminate connections for kids in the classroom, the community, and everywhere in the world. Systems Thinking for Kids is a project of the Wildwood Outreach Center at Wildwood School in Los Angeles. This is Systems Thinking for Kids. Your host is Jody Becker. My guest on this episode of Systems Thinking for Kids is Tom Bray. He is the inventor behind Grow Straight Up, a low-cost and low-tech classroom project for learners of all ages that introduces and reinforces systems thinking with a garden that kids can build and cultivate using few materials, no tools, doesn't even require any devoted real estate on campus. Interesting, right? Once you see this, and of course we have show notes and a link on our website, you will appreciate the genius of this approach and why it's a perfect way to teach through a systems lens. Tom is an engineer by trade, and this all started as a hobby and became an educational mission. We'll talk about all of that. Tom, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me and and for the kind intro. So Grow Straight Up weaves together three strands of who you are, a software engineer and architect who worked at some very high-profile entertainment companies, and you're a guy who grew up on a farm, plus you are a parent of two elementary school-aged students. And you shared with me earlier that in some ways this project was inspired by them. So maybe we should start there. So when I was a kid, as you said, I grew up on a farm and in in Illinois, corn and soybeans. And I spent a lot of time making things, tinkering, working with tools and, and materials. On the farm, you had to learn how to make stuff I kind of fell in love with that. I I found my passion early, but I I didn't know how I would ultimately end up exploring that. I I wanted to be an inventor, but I didn't know how to do that. I needed some problems to solve. So it took me 30 something, 40, maybe 40 years (laughs) to figure that out. But anyway, I left the, I left the farm and pursued, you know, trying to find a, a way to make a living being creative and that landed me in technology, you know, software engineering, architecture, and ultimately, actually, technology led me to systems thinking, which I, ironically sort of brought me back to those agricultural roots, but with fresh eyes. The connection to my kids and, and their sort of inspiration, you know, I, I, in my tech career, Learning how to change systems was fundamentally what I did in a nutshell. And changing systems is really hard. That's actually what led me to systems thinking. I, I, uh, it, it's one thing to have an idea of how to change, you know, a change software, but to actually bring that change about, you have to get a lot of people to agree. <laughs> There's a people system that's connected to that software system. And so learning how to navigate change, how to evolve systems, I realized that that's really the, the most important skill that my kids can learn so that they're prepared for the future. I don't teach the, my kids how to code at all. What's more important to me is that that they not only learn how to 
recognize systems and, and see how they're interconnected. But when those systems aren't working for them or or for for people they, they care about whose needs aren't being met, they can change those systems. And I, I want to show them how. So that's underneath everything that I'm doing with Grow Straight Up. You know, that's, that's a motivation, wanting them to see a real-world example of a grown-up actually doing something to change, to try to fix broken systems. And that's at the heart of so much systems teaching. I want to circle back to something that you said later on. You talked about not teaching your kids to code, but wanting to expose them to systems thinking. So we'll come back to that. But first, I want listeners to be able to start visualizing the grow straight up gardens. And so I'll just say they're hanging gardens. Can you describe the kit and what it looks like? Yeah, so there, it it is a hanging. You can call it a hanging garden. It's a it's a planter, a specially designed planter that's designed to hang on fences, railings, walls, to really integrate into the urban environment. You know, we have an abundance of of fences, especially in Los Angeles, <laughs> and and certainly at schools. Typically, schools are surrounded by chain link fences. And one of the things that's different about this type of planter is rather than plants growing through the top, out the top like a pot, they're actually growing through the fabric of the planter. So there's a, the fabric is a, there's a burlap bag that's filled with soil. And I've planted seeds in the burlap and the seeds sprout and grow through the fabric. And to hold the, that burlap bag in place in, in a nice shape is a wooden frame. It's a little bit more than a foot square. And that gives it support. It actually frames it and makes it look like a painting. Just, it basically, it's a, it becomes a living artwork. Now, the, the magic trick that makes this viable is the irrigation system, which is low-tech. And I love low-tech. The transition from <laughs> high-tech to low-tech has been really fun. But inside this burlap bag at the top is a clay pot, spike-shaped ceramic pot. And in, in that pot is a, a glass or plastic bottle filled with water, and it's upside down. So the water flows into the ceramic pot, and it sits there, and slowly, slowly, slowly seeps through the walls of the pot into the surrounding soil, and the plants get, the roots get just the right amount of water that they need, and nothing more. And none of the water evaporates through the through the top. It's all self-contained. Basically, the plants are being watered from the inside out. So it sounds like it's about the size of a shoebox. Do I have that right? That's a, I would say two shoeboxes put side by side. And it's a kit. Is that right? There is a kit. I also, so on my website, I sell complete boxes. So pre-assembled, pre-planted, ready to hang. I have two versions of this. One I call a super bloom box, which has California native wildflowers. And then the other is a chef's 
box, which is a, a mixture of different herbs for cooking. And then the kit is a consists of four pieces of wood to make that square frame. And then it has wooden, so it's put together using sort of Japanese joinery techniques. It fits together like a puzzle and, and it locks in place with these little wooden, they're called tusks. So you can assemble it without any tools, no fasteners, no screws, nails, staples, etc. No glue. It's all very simple and plant-based. It sounds like something that kids could easily do. It is does require some technical skill, but it's low tech, as you said. Very low tech, and it's it's the type of thing that a, a child could figure out through trial and error, I think, without instruction. So let's dive a little bit into the pedagogy, the potential learnings around the kit, because there are so many layers here, the problem solving, the systems. And as you said, it's not about coding. These are skills that do have application but it might not be the first thing that 21st century parents are thinking about. So can you kind of walk us through what you were thinking about the skill sets? What I was thinking about to come up with this was certainly you know, systems thinking driven. I was thinking about the food system and the water system and how they intersect. Because you know, as I was looking at, you know, thinking about revisiting my agricultural roots, I, I live in Los Angeles now. So it's California, you know, until recently there was a drought. <laughs> and right. so figuring out how to grow food and flowers with very little water is, is what led me to sort of discover that clay pot approach. But then there's, you know, the land system the real estate system, land is very expensive. So what do we do in cities when we don't have much land? Well, we, we grow up, we grow straight up into the sky, we, we build skyscrapers. And so that's the type of thinking that was involved in creating this. But it's also like, those are all really great opportunities. So talk about those systems and start to look at the intersection of systems. Then, you know, the education system in Los Angeles, you know, the intersection between that and land is very interesting. The largest landowner in Los Angeles is LAUSD, 6,400 acres. <laughs> so wow. that's a wow. lot of land and it's a lot of fences. So that's... Those were the ideas kind of I was stirring around in the pot as I was coming up with this concept and exploring it. So I think those are all, you know, really great opportunities for kids to think about, you know, wow, there's 6,400 6, acres. How big is that? It's really big. Right. You know, that's more than a thousand campuses. And, and that's just becoming aware, I think, of a little bit more aware of the place that they live in, you know, I think that that's really important to feel, you know, connected to their, this place. 
Yes, and as you're speaking, I'm just sort of thinking that there's so many intersections with systems. One of those that you've uncovered is this focus on resources that are available and in some cases underutilized. And that's often invisible, especially to kids and all of the systems around those resources being illuminated. You said you wanted to do something creative. So, so there's so much creative about your project. I want to ask you about teacher training and how the kits could be used in classrooms and what age you think they're appropriate for and any experiments that you've done on campuses. Most of my experiments have been done with my, my test subjects at home. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to have two willing participants, a first grader and a fourth grader. These kits are designed to be assembled. I think that you can start in preschool to put, oh. to put one of these together, at least, at least part of the, the process. And I, I think most of the process with a little bit of supervision but then I think you can, this can scale. There's enough to talk about here. You could take it all the way to postgraduate <laughs> education, talking about food equity and pollinator habitats in urban areas and things like that. I think there are ways to connect the dots all up and down the educational you know, spectrum. It's kind of nice to think about all of those acres and acres of fences that you area that's fenced in that you were talking about being covered with these hanging gardens. Can you talk a little bit about how teachers could get involved? There are lots of different ways that I'm thinking about, and I'm looking for partners to explore some of these ideas. So the, the first and easiest least amount of effort would be to take a completed box with plants already growing out of it, like the super bloom box that I mentioned, for example, with native pollinators, pollinator plants. Hanging that on the fence takes a few seconds. Right. Uh, but it creates lots and lots of opportunities for conversation. Sure. Just walking up to that box with your students and saying, what is that? What do you think that is? What do you notice about that? Have, talk to them about the materials and you know, ask questions like, I wonder why the water doesn't spill out. Like, what's, what's happening there? Just asking questions like that, what I've seen is that kids immediately gravitate to this and they start asking a million questions. So that's the, that's the easiest way to get started is with a, a plug and play ready to go box. Now, the sort of extension of that, I think, is to ask, do you think you could make one of those? So they've got the reference hanging there on the fence and now they're thinking, well, gee, I don't know. <laughs> and that's when the, the kit comes into play and whether there's you know one kit in a small group of kids and they they experiment with it together or a handful of kits and and you know kids working more independently i think that they what i've seen with my test subjects at home <laughs> my first grader and fourth grader is that they tend to figure it out really quickly and and it's really fun you know it's like 
putting together a puzzle. And uh, so it gives them just a, a feeling of accomplishment, but it also now they've got this connection to they made that. And then they, you know, fill the burlap bag with soil. It's got a drawstring. They can close that. They can put the pot in there, put a water bottle in the top of it, hang it on the fence and and watch the seeds that they planted start to to pop out in a, in a few weeks. So there's a a feeling of sort of ownership and participation. But I think that like for me, one important point that I I don't want to get lost is that this is integrating food and flowers into the landscape rather than sort of relegating it to a garden tucked away somewhere on campus. It gives you a way to put this in a in a location where kids will see it on a daily basis and watch it change, watch the see the plants grow, notice, you know, notice pollinators coming to it, notice notice the changes, notice how much water it's using and when the water's empty and they, they need to refill it and you know creates these opportunities for, for sort of discoveries and and to notice things yeah i mean as you're describing it it's like it starts as something that looks unusual then it looks beautiful and there's also this feeling of accomplishment so it seems ready made for young minds to engage and watch the progress of something that they're literally growing and also the idea of bringing nature close up in an urban setting, I think, is something that we're all challenged with thinking about, but it's all around us all the time and bringing it closer sounds beautiful. And it sounds like it's an open invitation for educators who might be looking to collaborate or try this with you. So we will put information on our website so people can reach out and get in touch with you and take it from there. That sounds amazing. Absolutely. I would very much welcome the opportunity to collaborate. And I think that when, when folks see these on the website, but when they see it in person, they will also connect with these boxes in a lot of, uh, a lot of very interesting ways. So a system that you built as a way to teach through a systems lens kind of brings it full circle. Tom Bray, thank you very, very much. A real hands-on project for systems thinking for kids. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to Systems Thinking for Kids. For more ideas and information, find us online at systemsthinkingschools.org. And check out our stories on Instagram at systemsthinkingschools. Thank you for listening.